just a second. No worries. How you doing, man? Not bad, man. Not bad. Went outside the UFC last night. <laughs> it was, um, um... Do you watch UFC much? Um, I I saw the results for it. Um, I, I didn't watch it, but I saw that John Jones won. Here's the thing, man. This is two fights in a row. It, I'm not sure he won. Like, it was a super close fight, and there were some rounds that were pretty close. But this is two fights in a row that it, when they made a poll afterwards to like who people fought won the fight, a lot, like more people fought the challenger one than John Jones. Now we're like two in a row. Mm. That's two in a row. So now it's like your title's starting to get disputed. You got three guys walking to earth who can raise their hand and be like, I think I'm the champ. <clears throat> John Jones and these other two cats now. Mm. Yeah, so it's... it's I, I, I didn't... I, I didn't watch it, so I can't really comment on it. But I will say that, you know, obviously, John Jones being the favorite, um, you know, you, you do see that sometimes, um, not just in USC, but a lot of sports where they they might tend to put, play favorites here and there, yeah. especially when it's decided by judges. So, um, so you know, that is kind of a weird thing. It, 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 so I here's the thing. I can get in terms of... Um... You know, to be the champ, you want to decisively beat the champ. If it's if I'm watching in any sport, like you said, if I'm not sure the challenger won and I'm not sure the champ lost, I'm kind of split. My heart is torn. I'm like, I'm not sure. You, you don't take away a man's title like that. You got to be sure. So I think yeah. that's where the old saying goes in terms of boxing. It, they did that like back in the day. They were like, look, at if, if a round is close... I'm probably going to give that round to the champ. You, you got to kind of convince me. Um, if you're a contender, I'll just go with whatever. But if it's the champ, title's on the line. He earned that. Like, he fought his way up, took the title. He's a champ now. People want to see decisive, you know, you, you don't got to knock. It's not like you have to knock him out to win. But at least we can't take away his title if we're unsure. But yeah, it has to be convincing. Yeah, be convincing. <laughs> Let people know for sure. Let people because Jones actually just broke a record with um, amount of title defenses. Like he's breaking records and shit. But here's the flip side: so he beat George St. Pierre's record. On the flip side, people like, hey man, this dude's breaking records, and people aren't even sure if he's winning those fights. Now those records seem, you know, like a little funny. But that's probably, yeah. that's probably the case with every single sport. Yeah, probably so. It, it was kind of. Um... I don't know if you watch boxing, oh, yeah. um, but you know, you know uh, the Errol Spence and Sean Porter fight. Yeah, it was kind of the same thing with that. You know, Errol Spence was favorite to win, and a lot of people said that that was uh, really controversial. That Sean Porter should have, um, if not won, it should have been a lot closer, um, and they ended up giving it to to Errol Spence. Mm -hmm. So you know, you you have, you have a lot of situations like that where. Um, it's not 
really convincing in favor of the of the favorite. You know, the underdog ends up being a lot closer to winning than people thought. And so people are thinking, like, when it comes to a decision, oh, man, this guy, he might win this. And then they end up giving it to the champ. Um, yeah, I think you're right in terms of, and it's true, if there's an underdog who they do better than you thought they did, if the fight's close, this round, if it's really close, but the one dude is doing way better than you thought he was going to, it might sway you that he's doing more than he is just because, like, it's super close and you thought he'd be losing. He mm. might still be losing, but it's super close and you might, it just, it feels different because he's he's overperforming and the other guy's underperforming. And that can leave you the impression the guy who's underperforming is losing. When in reality, he, it just might be closer than it should have been, but maybe he still won. I, maybe. I mean, not not for sure every round, but... So it does... You know, sentiment plays a role. You know, the, the background stories play a role. Mm-hmm. That's why, in, in at least with powerlifting, I mean, you could still have controversial calls in terms of squat depth, in terms of pause, whatever. But end of the day, the weight on the bar is the weight on the bar. So there isn't going yeah. to be a controversial... It's not opinion as much. There's opinion on, was the squat deep enough or not? But the weight was the weight. We, we, we can't dispute that. We know exactly... Like, certain boxing match, you could say, yeah, my man landed more punches, but there wasn't a lot of steam on his punches. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. If you ask the other guy, he's going to say, nah, I wasn't hurt. But it's opinion. So you're trying to be like, ah, was it effective? What is it? Whereas in powerlifting, at least we have, like, now we have numbers on these plates. We know exactly mm-hmm. what this dude lifted, what that dude lifted, and this dude lifted more. Which at least there's, yeah, like, exactly. there's less. What did you think about? Are you a basketball fan? Um, I am uh, kind of. I, I wouldn't say I'm a super fan, but you know, I do watch it. Yeah. What did you think about the Kobe Kobe Bryant passing? Um, it was it was kind of crazy for me. Um, my mom is actually she's a big Kobe fan, and you know, I, I of course growing up, I saw a couple of his championships. And things like that. And I knew that he was doing some other things. Like he was like writing books and he had a movie that won like an Oscar and stuff like that. So just knowing that the impact that he had on basketball and like outside of basketball starting to like venture into other things, it was kind of crazy. And it, it was really just like it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then like the craziest part was that it was right after LeBron passed him on the scoring list. I I know. That I think so. the timing was a little was a little crazy too. Um I mean it, it's it's because he's far too young to die. He wasn't sick. He wasn't like older. He wasn't it just it, it literally came whoop sorry I just see that I chopped my head off there and if you see it talking to my chin. But um, <laughs> it, uh, it, it it came out of nowhere because he was still young and um I'm on social media, so I'm not a basketball guy either. But one thing that, like, I do, I think as, like, athletes, and I read a lot of autobiographies of athletes, like, I'm that dude, I read a lot of books. I can sit down, I read, like, Andre Agassi's autobiography, and he's a tennis player from, the, like, the 90s and early 2000s. I'm not a tennis guy at all. But sometimes their stories can be inspiring, and, like, what they went through in their lives can be, it's crazy, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we can, we can, you can apply this to, like, we're, it's not the same sport, but all athletes train hard, have like goals, and deal with the same type of pressures, etc. Right? 
Um, there's a lot of commonality between it. So when Kobe passes, even if you're not a big basketball fan, it's going to hit. And um, one thing with Kobe that some people were saying is like, is Kobe, would you consider him a hero? Because some people were saying um, a hero is like, is someone who fights in wars and like, like a, like a military man. That's a hero. I saw me, I saw me saying that's a hero. This guy's risking his life. Kobe's an athlete. He's not a hero. We got to watch when we use the term hero. And uh, they showed a dude who was like in a, in a wheelchair, who was a soldier. And for sure, that's a hero. But would you say Kobe Bryant as an athlete could be a hero? Um, I think he could for sure. And, and when you say that, I don't think it's, you know, trying to take anything away from people who risk their lives or anything like that. Cause those people are absolutely heroes in their own right. But I think when you call somebody like Kobe a hero, it's, it's more so in the way that, you know, he can be a hero to a little kid who loves basketball, who looks up to him as like an icon, um, some someone like you you saw so many cases of people that like grew up watching Kobe um who were super Lakers fans and who have all his memorabilia and everything and so it's almost like that that's exactly why it affects you a little bit differently when someone like that passes because it's you kind of you almost have like a connection to them even if you don't know them personally it's like you grow up watching this person you grow up um you know pretty much idolizing this person. And so that person can become a hero to, to you um, in a different type of way. I mean, I agree. And, and like, because I think you're 100% right. Just because one's a hero doesn't mean the other can't be. Like, in terms of, some people say, like, man, athletes aren't heroes. But tell this to a kid. If you're in a neighborhood um, where, like, nobody grows up to do anything in this neighborhood, people don't make it out. People don't excel at things. People drop out of high school. People... You know, it's it's a underprivileged neighborhood without many people to look up to. And um, if some dude makes it out, makes millions, becomes famous, comes back into that neighborhood and like and talks to people and, and gives these kids hope. Fuck, man, that's a hero to those kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And then that's I mean, that's a situation where that can inspire someone to like adopt is, you know, people we're talking about the Mamba mentality that that can inspire kids to adopt that mentality. And, you know, that can help them later on in life in terms of becoming successful. So I don't see anything wrong with calling someone like like that a hero. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, What do you, what do you think about also, let let me take one second. I got to watch them real quick. I got some shit in my eyes right now. It's bothering the shit. (laughs) (laughs) One second, my man. I'll be back in the show. Yeah, maybe it was just Kobe who got me emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go take a breather real quick. That's right. That's, that's right. Um, for me, like, when I think about dudes that I look up to like that, like, who's a dude that you look up to in terms of an athlete that you would call a hero? Um, well, you know, growing up, like, someone like, Adrian Peterson, like just just on the field, um, like watching him, he he was one of the best running backs in the league. So that would be someone in like when when you when you look at an athlete 
and you look at them as a hero. Like some people like to bring the personal life in, into it. Like like you, I know you saw some of the controversy when people were talking about you know the charges that Kobe was accused of but yeah. was never charged of and things like that. Um, so one. One, like I said, again, he wasn't actually charged of anything. He was just accused, and it was like 20-something years ago. So it shouldn't even be relevant. And um, two, a lot of the times uh, when you're talking about athletes, you're talking specifically about the athletics. A lot of people don't even look at their personal lives, you know. So you can acknowledge that someone was one of the greatest football players or basketball players or whatever, um, without necessarily diving into their personal life. Um, now, that, now, I'm not, like, justifying, you know, if someone is convicted of a crime or something like that. I'm not justifying it at all. Um, that's always a bad thing. But, you know, if someone is a great football player, then they're a great football player. Yeah. And that's the thing. You don't know. Like, like we, we because it, it never went to trial, you don't want to assume either which way, right? So you almost just got to be like, look, we'll never know. So you don't want to accuse a man and hold it against him when he never went to trial. He's never found guilty. That's a big thing of levy on somebody that was never found guilty of anything. Um, like you can acknowledge that there was there was claims, but you almost got to leave it at that point. Like that's as far as it went. So yeah, exactly. Like we, we don't we don't know these people. Like so we don't know what actually happened. Um, we we just know what's what came up in the tabloids and and what the media um, had been trying to push around that time. I had some people. I was talking to some people about like when Kobe died and um, if it, if it rattled anybody. And then some people were saying like you know, kind of like that where I don't know the people, so if they're alive or dead, it doesn't super impact me because they're not in my life. In my life, and I get that to an extent. Um, one person for me that really hit home for me was when Muhammad Ali died. I'm a massive Muhammad Ali dude. And, um, mm-hmm. and people are like, why? What does it matter? And for me, it's everything that Muhammad Ali was. The fact that he was a man just like us. Breathed the same air. Walked the same earth. Knowing everything he did. And, and everyone's got somebody like that. Where just knowing everything they did in their life. All the decisions they made. Everything they faced. At a time when Ali... He came up in the 60s when there was still segregation. Um, you know, we're talking like you got to sit in the back of the bus. You can't go into certain restaurants. You can't, you know, it was, he's from the South. And everything he faced where they were like, you have to join the army and fight in Vietnam or we take your title and you're in your prime. You're going to, he's going to lose everything. And he's like, fucking, you take my title, but you can't, I'm still a champ. And he's like, I will not. And they're like, we're going to take your title. We're going to end your career. You're 27. That's gone now. And he's like, do it. Like, you will go to jail. It's like, fucking throw me in jail. I don't give it. Like, you, you, I will not bend the knee to you. And it was like, it was like, oh shit. You know, like, that's some real shit. And um, he would go down to, like, in the South to these universities in the 60s. And it, like, man, you don't want to be in certain places like that. And he would debate people. Like, he would be like, let's go to, they were like, why are you going to go to these universities like that when you know it's coming? He's like, good. Have them show up. And I will debate them. And there'll be like a thousand people and no supporters. And Ali would be debating people being like, well, you tell me why, why we need segregation. You tell me like, like he would be, he, he was that dude. And, um, and like in terms of the talent he had 
in the opposition he faced, the heavyweight division was never greater than when Ali was around. Um, so it, it was like the perfect storm for Ali to be here. And so when later on in life, just knowing a guy like that, like is breathing the same air as you, walking the same earth as you, knowing he's out there, he's out there. Mm. It gives you something. You could be like, fuck, man. You know, whatever you're facing and shit. And then when he's gone, to realize when you hear the news, like, he's gone now. That's it. He's now, he's a part, yeah. he's a patient history. He's never coming back. He's never coming back, man. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it affects me. He wasn't in my personal life. I wasn't going to see him and talk to him. But there is something, man. I don't know. There, there is. There's very few people who are going to hit you like that. Everybody might have a couple people that it's like, you know what? If I heard they pass, that might, that might hit me. Yeah, I mean, that that goes back to, you know, saying that, like, we, if you grow up watching someone, if you become, like, this fan of someone, you you almost feel attached to them. Uh, it gives you a, a different type of feeling when anything happens to them, even if you don't know them personally, even if they are, like, just at the end of the day, they're just a human, like, you you almost forget about that fact, like, just because of the legacy that, that, they, that they leave behind. Yeah. So, so it was like obviously we know that Kobe was mortal. He he, he breathed again, like you said, he breathed the same air just like us. He he was a human being, um, just like all of us. But it was like some people. I'm sure if you ask some people about it, it was like you you never really in your mind you never expected him to to die, especially in a way like that. It, it was kind of like someone that you expected to just kind of. Like just be around uh, forever, even no, no, though we man. know that's obviously not going to be the case. It's crazy, huh? But it's true. It, it is. Uh, it makes you realize we are all fucking mortal, man. This, this, there's an mm-hmm. end. Date. There's an end game to this. You know, we're not all sticking around, especially when someone like he's he's young as he was. Do you ever think powerlifting will have somebody as impactful? Is like, so, is there anybody in powerlifting if they die that's not like close to you? It's hard to picture some because powerlifting in terms of sports are so much more niche. It'd be tough mm-hmm. to picture anybody being like that. Do you think we'll ever get there where like somebody passes and it's like, oh shit? Um, I mean, I think within the community, yes, um, there are a few people like that. That if if they were to pass, um, you know, it, it would be it, it would be tragic. It, it, a lot, it would affect a lot of us, but I don't think it would ever get to the level of like a Kobe yeah, or yeah. a Muhammad. Um, just because, like you said, it is it's still a niche sport. It is growing. It's a it's a lot bigger than it was um, just a few years ago. But I don't think it it would ever get to that level because um, because that, that's a whole different um, realm. Like when you're talking about. Um, Someone like Kobe, um, you know, the NBA being the biggest basketball organization in the world, with basketball already being, you know, a, a pretty popular sport yeah. all around the world. So it, it's it's true, certainly not impact wise, but there is certain like there are certain people. For instance, like I just recently had Sam Watt on, and he's he's fifty years old. Dude is jacked as shit, chiseled, winning like bronze medal at the European Championships, and he's half a century old. And, um, yeah, like, like he's, he's not going to have the impact of a Kobe. But when he having him out there, there's certain people in the powerlifting community that knowing he's out there doing what he's doing changes the way you look at things. 
Like, when you think, like, fuck, man, when I'm 50. But you see a dude like that doing what he's doing. Like, David Ricks at 60 was winning in, in terms of U.S. Royal Nationals. He was ahead after the squat event. I squatted everybody mm-hmm. out to 60 years old. It makes you, like, it changes the way you look at things. You're like, holy shit, man. Yes, it's possible. Like, when you're, like, a little banged up and you're like, man, this dude is, look at what he's doing, dude. That was a massive jug of water. Are you water loading? <laughs> no, just, uh, I, I, I normally carry it around to try to get, get a gallon in a day. Okay. So, yeah. Because <laughs> that was not, that was a casual sip from a massive jug. <laughs> Yeah, it just it, it's it's a lot, but if you you know just sip on it through the day, it's really it's really nothing. Yeah, and you add up, and you can see where you're at, so you know how to pace yourself. Um, I want mm-hmm. to ask you about this race to the 800. Everybody's talking about it. What are your thoughts on it? Is it important to be the first to be uh, the first to 800? Um, I think it is important for the sport, just because you know it's it's something that no one has ever done in our weight class in uh, tested or untested in, in any division. So that's that's one of those like historical landmarks. It was like like the first time an eighty three kilo lifter hit eight hundred. Um obviously it was huge around that time. So this is another one of those landmarks where it's something that's gonna be huge um for not just for our class but for the sport in general. And, and when Taylor says he doesn't think so. He's like, you know what? It's just a number. Um, in the end of the day, it's who wins the head-to-head matchups. Why do you think Taylor says that? And I get that point of I get that point of view as well because, like, it is important in terms of just the history of the sport. Um, but at the same time, you know, since we're since we're not all going directly head-to-head until we're on nets. Um, even if we all individually hit 800 kg, it's not going to be the same as if we're all going directly head-to-head um, with each other and then someone were to hit 800 kg that way. So it is a little bit different in that way, but I still think that it's going to be very important um, for just the sport as a whole for the first 70, 40, 800. Like in terms of milestones, that's a big one. You know, everyone does yeah. remember, like, when Brett Gibbs hit eight, well, was chasing 800, he was on the cover of IPF magazine with the big 800 there. And, and people remember the first, like, the first man to squat 1,000 pounds, the first man to hit certain, in every sport. Um, and I do get where, where Taylor comes from in terms of, um, you know, head-to-head matchups, that's what sports is. But 100%, these milestones have to be recognized as well and, and cherished. Do mm-hmm. you feel like, is that your goal for the Arnold Classic? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's... Um, 100%. It's... it's. I, I think what people don't realize is that um, at Raw Nets, I was already within range of an 800 total. Granted, that would have had to been on a perfect day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have had to, like, bench... Um, at least 205, which was that that was um, within range until I started to cramp and, and things like that. And then I would have had to pull um, 307 and a half, which would have been a little bit more of a reach. But again, everything was already within range around that time. And I've gotten stronger since then, uh, especially with my pools. So it's not this crazy idea 
it's not this crazy far-fetched thing that we're reaching for. It's we actually, it's something that's within reach that we're going to go for. Mm-hmm. Like if you, in terms of the prep into the Raw Nationals and in terms of your prep into the Arnold, how do you think you're pacing? Are you pacing to be even stronger than Raw Nationals? Because your performance in Raw Nationals had everybody buzzing. One, 100%. Um, I mean, I'm, everything that I hit uh, for my heaviest singles, I've already surpassed um, all, of, all of those. Um, I, I hit the same squat that I hit for my last heavy single, except it was it was a lot easier here. Um, I've already hit the um, over my best bench single, and I've already pulled um, 12 and a half kilos over my heaviest deadlift single. And it was easier than that one. So, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. Numbers don't lie, right? Does it feel different knowing <laughs> you're going into the Arnold Classic with, you know, like a number you're chasing as opposed to opposition that you're battling? It, it's a little different. Like, in terms of the pressures, um, I mean, there is opposition, but it's a little different. Walking into the Raw Nationals, you had U4. It was like the Four Horsemen, and this was going to be you know, a battlefield and everybody's super hype about it. And you can actually see your opponents, see them in their training. You see them in the warm-up room and the weigh-ins and, and your handlers are watching their attempts. Whereas this one's a little different. You're, you're chasing a number. There's still a lot of hype. Historically speaking, there's, a, there, there's, there's quite a bit on the line, right? Like you could be the first to cross that. Everybody were, were, could remember this. This could be a footnote in the history of powerlifting to be the first 74 kilo to cross that 800 barrier. In terms of like how it feels pressure-wise, when there's nobody that is actually physically there, it's like you're picturing a number. It's like you're picturing your own performance, but that's it. You can't picture Ricky Cho, Taylor Atwood. You can't, they're not there. There's no one, it's no one physical and tangible. Does it feel a little different? And does the pressure feel different because of it? Um, It is different um but i i like it because it's for me personally i like to put some type of pressure on myself to perform to do something um because that's that's what kind of makes me that's what kind of motivates me to show up the best that i can so for raw nets the pressure was you know i have all these other guys that if they show up at their strongest they could all easily um, beat me um, so that was going in around that. That was my thinking. And so now for this one, the pressure is I've already put it out there that my goal is to total 800. So I better show up and do it. Yeah. Um, and not just talk about it. So it's, so it is a little pressure, but I like the pressure. I like having some type of, you know, you have to do this. Um, you have to perform to this standard. Do you think like, some people would do the opposite. Some people, like, don't want that. It would be, you know what, I'm not going to put out any goals. I'm not going to say it. Everyone else is saying 800. And, like, and I mean, like, damn near everybody. Some people be like, I don't want to say it. I'm just going to go in there, try my best day. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. That way you almost alleviate some pressure. However, when everybody in the powerlifting community is saying 800, we're kind of kidding ourselves, aren't we? Like if you you can you can not say it and try to not acknowledge it, but everybody mm-hmm. in the mother saying eight hundred. Like it, you, it's kind of like do do you feel like did you feel sometimes where you're like fuck I don't know if I want to lean into it, lean into the hype, 
lean into the 800 mark and, and, and help hype it up because it just puts more pressure on myself? Or there, are there times where you're like, you know what? I mean, it's like, because I'm sure there's, you can have mixed days where some days, you know, especially if everything's going good as planned, it's like, oh, fuck, yeah. Because then everyone's watching your performance and when you hit it, it's more hype. However, the, if, if you have some days where it's tough and you're not feeling 100%, then you're like, ah, shit. Maybe I shouldn't have been, you know, hyping up this number. Maybe I should have said, well, you know what? There's a lot to be said for 790. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely have, like, a mixture of days. You know, not every single day is a perfect day. Um, I do have days where things are feeling a little bit more off for whatever reason, um, whether it be, like, more fatigue or just, you know, just not really feeling training that day. So there are some days where I'm like, um, man, I, I don't know. And things like, but that's normally temporary. Um, I get, it comes and it goes. So it's just something where at the end of the day, I know that I have like certain, certain goals in my head. And like, of course the 800 is a goal, but it's more so just the, just the individual numbers that I have as goals that end up adding to 800 plus. Mm. So it's it's more so the, the sum of the numbers than it is the number itself. And what do you feel about um, some of this, this trash talk going on in the 74s? Do you think, is it a necessary evil? Is it something that you're like, because you don't really hop in there and partake. You know, you're involved in, you're one of the top contenders and everybody knows it. Um, but you don't really hop in there a little bit with Ricky leading internationals here and there or whatever. If, if Ricky said, like, back in the day, he had that picture of him petting an owl. Or no, he was petting, yeah, it was an owl. And he said, I identify with this thing. And there was a little bit, but it's more. But um, how do you feel about it? Is it a necessary evil? Or is it something that you're like, eh, I don't, I don't like it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good for the sport. It, it has helped um, bring a lot of attention to our class. So it's one of those things where you might not necessarily like it. Everyone might not necessarily be a fan of it, but it's, it, it does help the sport uh, tremendously. And the reason why I, I, I'm normally not like one of the bigger uh, participators in it is just because you know I, I like the trash talk. Don't get me wrong, but I, I'm I'm just not a good trash talker. So <laughs> so and I don't like for for anything to be forced. I like for all of it to kind of be you know come naturally. And like like you you brought up Ricky, he he happens to be um, like one of the guys that's it, it it comes a little bit more natural for him, and he plays into that role that that villain role. So, um, so you know, if you're able to do it and, and it, it comes out natural and, and you're able to, you know, bring help, bring more attention to your weight class or the sport or whatever, and then more power to you. And do you think it's because just like people have, you know, a storyline and characters to root for? Like you have, you can have an emotional attachment that way. End of the day, we're lifting weights. And on the surface level, people are, you know, especially mainstream people who aren't into powerlifting, if you're trying to explain to them, they'd be like, hey, man, I don't super get why lifting weights is going to be entertaining to watch. And then you could get into a little bit of how it's set up. Well, I mean, you have to pick three tenths in each and you can't go lower in the weight. So if you miss a weight, you kind of back yourself in the corner and 
And then, but the end of the day, it's going to be why do you care, right? That's like every sport. So then when you yeah. tell them the different characters and you tell them different background stories and then you tell them, let me tell you about the 74s. And then they listen to like a podcast with all four guys on there and they're, you know, there's some heat between them and some back and forth. It, people are going to start picking camps. People are going to start picking teams and shit. And um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of like is a bit of a necessary evil. But I realize sometimes when people are in it, you, you like there's there's pressure, there's, I mean, trash talk can be negative, like there well in, in its nature, it's negativity. As long as what do you think the limit is in terms of the trash talk? Where do you think the the line needs to be drawn where it's like, alright, this is too much? And and on the flip side, what do you think is the line where it's like, this is fair, this is fair, this is fair game. Um, so I think you know with it being valid thing. All of all of the trash talk, it should you know stay within um, within the box of powerlifting, and it, sh- it shouldn't be anything that gets personal. Um, you know, we start talking about guys' personal lives and things like that, because at the end of the day, the purpose of the trash talk is you know to to help build hype around the sport. It's it's not because we genuinely hate each other. It's not because we want to see. Each other, we, we we want um, to see each other, you know, be hurt or anything like that, uh, physically or mentally. It's it's just you know, friendly trash talk, friendly banter back and forth um, in between each other. So that's that's my take on it. I, I don't think it should ever uh, get to the point of, of being personal. Did you? Is there like when you're in the midst of it and you were head to head with Ricky, so you got a little bit of taste of the villain. Did you ever think, man, it's going a little too far, or did you? Were you always like, I'm not, I'm not phased. It's all good. It's, it's, it is what it is. Um, I was never really bothered by it, but I will say that um, when I didn't know Ricky and when he was um, kind of like doing his thing, it was kind of like, okay, who is this guy? You know, because obviously it is a little bit different when you don't know someone. Yeah. So. Um, but as I got to know him a little bit more, it's it definitely doesn't bother me at all now. You know, <laughs> when I when I hear when I see something you know, like he's posted a couple of times on the story, like if if his his squad is cramping or something like that, and he like points out, he's like, "No, Michael," or something like that. <laughs> so it's just like it, 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 it it's funny to me now. <laughs> it is different when you know a dude, and if you don't know him, you're not sure where he's coming from. And you're like, is this dude, um, like, yeah, you don't know where it's coming from a place of, or if he's going to keep ratcheting it up to a level that becomes uncomfortable. Because you don't know. You don't know dudes. Um, do you guys, in terms of the 74s, there's there's four of you guys, but there's, there's also probably even more. We got, like, Kevin Tran in there. Do you guys talk behind the scenes and in communication? And because you're all chasing this goal your heated battle at U.S. Raw Nationals was like, it, it was, I mean, it was as dramatic as you want. You you got characters from like whatever character you like, we got you covered. We got swinging of momentum. You know, we had the climatic end, and then we had everybody yearning for a sequel based off of how it ended. You know, there's a cliffhanger almost with your performance. People are like, oh my god, it's almost like a preview. It demands a sequel. You know, your your performance. Um, so it had all these intangibles, and you guys 
Because you, nobody will know what it what it's like truly, except for you guys. You guys are like the you guys know what it feels like to be in the mix of all of this this hype, and then the hype is almost unprecedented in powerlifting. We're almost getting to mm. levels where like like I have guys in the untested who who I'm coming oh I have coming on the podcast and whatnot, different federation, different different world almost when it's still powerlifting, but. And they're like, hey, fuck, man. Hey, those 74s, man. Holy shit, what's going on there? <laughs> you know, like, like people are talking about it. It's, it's, is it weird to be in the mid- middle of this knowing powerlifting very rarely has situations like this? Like, it's almost surreal how much hype you guys had. And it's not, it's not a 15 minutes of fame situation. This is carried over, man. This is going into, this is going into Raw Nationals. And we're, man, we're in February. We're still talking about it. It's got new developments now because there is no head-to-head showdown. It's it's, it's which one of you guys going to get 800 first? And then when someone hits it first, the storyline will change. Well, who else is going to join the 800 club after someone hits it first? And then, and I'll go carry on throughout the year. And then into Raw Nationals. Well, here we go again. Here they all meet up and they're going to rock and roll. So it's become like... You know, sometimes the storyline, it comes and goes, and then we move on to the next one. You guys are, this is carrying on. Like, this is, this mm-hmm. is, is it, is it kind of weird? But were moments where you're like, how the fuck did we created a monster? You know, you ever sit back and think, how did this happen? <laughs> how did I, because you're a quiet dude. You know, you, you're not even the dude who you would picture ordinarily walking into 2019. It wouldn't be like, hey, Michael, guess what? You're going to end up in the middle of a fucking battle with trash talking and like the whole, you know, <laughs> it's up for it, 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 it is kind of crazy sometimes, like just saying now um, how really all of us have, like our, our social medias have grown a lot. And like just the whole, uh, like you said, the, the whole, um, the the audience behind uh, the 74 class has, has grown a lot, like just within the past year. It is kind of like crazy just to see because even um, like Raw Nats 2018, um, that that was around the time that that was my first time being in prime time, and that was when you know I was at that time I wasn't in a place quite yet to to compete with Taylor, but I was I was the number one junior at that time, and like around that time I had a you know decent little following. But it wasn't anything crazy. Um, but then, you know, this past year, everything is going up. I'm closer. I'm close to ten thousand followers. Austin, I think he's over ten thousand now. Ricky, he's he's oh, at like fifteen thousand now, yeah. like almost twenty thousand. And then obviously, yeah, Taylor, he's he has his followers. So um, now, and even outside of that, you know, you you hear like all the chatter, like just here and there about the class. So it has like grown a lot within yeah. like just the past year. <laughs> it's nuts. I mean, it is like like numbers don't lie. You know, numbers don't mm-hmm. lie. Like Ricky said, look at when I was going into um, when I first had Ricky on it right after Worlds, and that was my introduction to Ricky and my introduction to yourself in terms of like because uh, you know I I commentated on your guys' showdown. It was a great showdown in Sweden, and then afterwards, you know, I seen you guys had some charisma when you're hitting that platform and. Yeah, Joe Sanic was telling me you guys back when he's like, dude, this is a battle. I'm telling you, these dudes are going to be like, they're next, right? It's going to be a big deal. Uh, these guys are future stars. I'm like, all right. 
so I watched the battle and afterwards I had both you guys, both you and Ricky on um, really quickly afterwards because like, yeah, these guys lived up. And Ricky, I remember at the time saying, when, when we had him on again later on, and I've had you guys on a bunch of times since, he said, look, when you had me on the first time, I had like a thousand followers, man. And half a year later, I got like 15,000. His YouTube is blowing up. Like the numbers don't lie. When people say this is a detriment to the sport, this makes it look bad. It's like, my friend, it's not quite like the Conor McGregor effect. I mean, that's a little too big, obviously. But just showing how, I, mean, I don't think anyone's gotten negative like Conor sometimes can go a little too far. But I agree in terms of sometimes it's necessary to have, just just keep it sporting. It, a little trash talk brings a little bit of heat. Let's raise the consequences. You know, it doesn't mean when, when you go into these, is there ever a point where you're like, man, if I lose, all right, but I don't want to lose that guy. Like, have you ever felt that or are you in the middle of it been like, I don't give a shit. It doesn't, it's fine. Like if, if, if do you think it ratchets it up to a level of uh, the consequences of losing feel more impactful or is it because, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you, like, um, the way that everything played out around that, I was, like, yeah, I, I mean, I expressed it, like, last time that I was on here that I was I was extremely disappointed about that because at that time, it was, like, e- even though nobody was really expecting anyone to challenge um, Taylor at that time, I knew that that was kind of something that I wanted to uh, potentially do around that time and like not even just him but the other guys too so so yeah I was disappointed that I lost all of them I, I wanted to you know I wanted to beat every single one of them and, and, and I didn't and you know there wasn't anything that I could do about it you know it's, it was done it was over with so yeah you get you definitely get disappointed in the moment yeah because it is I mean especially I guess with more eyeballs more hype there's more meaning when, when less people care, I mean, it means a lot to yourself no matter what, but when you know, you know, that, I mean, I, I think everybody is watching that show now. Going into looking ahead at this year, when when we finish off, do you see 2020? Because you, you, you had mentioned, look, it, a lot of people are thinking none of you guys are going to challenge Taylor. You'll push Taylor, but probably not unthrown him. And um, as it were, yeah, okay, Taylor, Taylor's still on the throne but people were a little shocked on, on how much of a push you made with your squat, your bench. You never got a dead in there, but it left the question, what if you got your dead in there? So that, now people readjusted. I think going into Raw Nats, some people like, look, at I, I get the hype. You got a lot, of, a lot of characters in there with a lot of personality. And, uh, but I think end of the day, Taylor's a heavy favorite. After Raw Nats, now I'm hearing, hey, man. I don't know. Now we're, we're people having different discussions all of a sudden. Do you think 2020 is the year that you take the throne? I think so. And do you think it's it's going to be a case of, do you anticipate when you see it unfolding, you hit 800 at your Arnold, Arnold Classic, like, like you had stated, and that's within your means. Um, do you think... Anybody else over the course of the year heading into Raw Nationals will also be able to hit that 800 mark? 
Or do you think uh, you'll be in the lead and likely stay in the lead and then you'll decide it at Raw Nationals head-to-head? Um, so there are a few other guys that, you know, that they're within range on a good day of hitting it. I think the most likely to hit it next would probably be Austin. Um, just because, I mean, his numbers have been blowing up. Um, he's, I think he's about to do like collegiate nets or some, I, I forgot what me he's about to do, but, um, his training has been looking really good and his, his bench is coming along now too. So I could see him being the second person to hit it and then going into rock nets, um, I think the the other guys will, by that time, they'll be a lot closer. And so by, I I think we could honestly see like three, at least three guys, um, three or four guys total 800 at Raw Nets. (laughs) Dude, that'd be absolutely insane. First off, if if, if that's that's bonkers, but you might be right, man. Um, It's interesting. So it's interesting you say Austin. What about, because Taylor's got the SPD Invitational. And um, I know it's a little different because for people, some people don't realize you load the bar to win 100%. Like you always load the bar to win. It doesn't matter if 797 and a half was going to win it for Taylor and 800 is just two and a half kilos more. He's loading 797 and a half because it's the SBD Invitational. It's the first time ever. The win for the SBD Invitational brings with it a pretty big paycheck as well. Like for, I don't know what the payouts are exactly. But let's say $30,000, $20,000. Look at my man. I'm not gambling. 800 is nice. And we talked about the significance. I'm not gambling 20, 20K. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to do that. But do you think do, do you think Taylor is going to hit 800 before U.S. Raw Nats? Or do you think, um, just given the situation of, you know, the SPD Invitational, you don't think 800, he's going to need 800? Or why do, you, why do you think not Taylor with the 800 mark? Um, I don't think so, and the reason why, um, a couple of reasons. One, he's still, you know, kind of like coming back from from an injury, so he's he's not at full strength right now. He, he might be by the time the Sheffield comes around, but even if he is, there's not going to be a reason for him to try to push for 800 around that time and risk injuring himself further. And also, you know, with it being a money meet. It's not going to matter if he totals 800 or not at that one. So even if he's capable of it, you know, it, it's it's going to be more so about whatever he needs to hit to come out of there with money versus trying to race for a certain total. Yeah. So so that's why I don't think um, we'll see it from him. Unless he needs 800 to win. Now it's not only historic, it's $20,000 on the line. And let me fight. You're going to load that last deadlift with whatever you need. But it is true. It's a little concerning because Taylor is, uh, he's still king, but he, he's injured. And, um, I mean, we've all been following it. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't look like he's at 100% right now. I hope he gets back to 100% in 2020. Uh, at the World Championships, who, who is going to Worlds, by the way? Who, who is being fielded on the World Team, Junior, Open, etc.? Um. See, I'm I'm really not sure about it this year because obviously I'm obviously not me um, because of what happened. But um, I think a lot of people are like turning down the invitations this year. 
So I, I like I really I don't even know. I think I think Austin and Kevin may both um, have invitations. Um, I, I'm not sure if they're both going. Um, I think Ricky had an alternate invite and he he turned it down. Um, outside of that, I, I really don't know. I can't tell you. I think Taylor's going right or no. Um, I, see, I'm again. I'm really not yeah. sure. Like, I, I I don't know anything about this year. <laughs> It'd be tough to see. I mean, that'd be wild if Taylor wasn't even in the mix when he's back to back champ, and then you're guaranteed a new champ if he doesn't go. Yeah, see, I, like I, I would think that he's going. Um, just to you know, just because obviously you have to win to to qualify for the Sheffield the next year. But I, I really can't tell you 100% if he's going, right? Yeah. In, in terms of looking ahead, you hit 800, and you think before Raw Nats, likely Austin is is the is the threat in terms of maybe hitting 800 as well. Um, and you know what? I'm not – Austin probably doesn't get an, enough push from people. Like, they don't say his name enough. Like, some people are, are <laughs> sleeping. His squat was so on point on Raw Nats. You know, he's he's got a big dead and. He says he's worked like his his chink in his armor is definitely the bench, but he's been working solid on that bench. It's a tough thing to grow. For some people, the bench just gets stagnant. I mean, that's the total opposite of you, but it's it's it's, it's the bench. Um, at Raw Nats, who do you think is probably the number one threat for you when you walk in there? If you're telling yourself, man, this is the dude I think that I'm gonna have to battle with the most, is it Austin at Raw Nats? Do you think? Do you think? A healthy Taylor, or look at my man Ricky. Also, I mean it's crazy. He's squatting in the six hundreds now. He's been pulling in the seven hundreds. He's done it on the platform, and his bench is getting up into the high threes and and, and becoming more and more uh, you know serviceable. And he, he's he's bridging that gap. Certainly not the bench you got, but his deadlift is crazy. His squats mm-hmm. like it, previously his squat wasn't as high, and now he's benching it. And now he's into the six hundreds and. And uh, it's moving smooth into the 600s. Who do you think is is your biggest threat at Raw Nationals? Um, it, it's hard to even point to one specific guy because you have everybody that, every single one of them, if they show up at their strongest, then they could easily be a threat. Like you have Austin, like you said, um, his squat is ridiculous. Like his, I mean, his third at Raw Nets almost looked like he could have been an opener. Yeah. Um, and then you have Ricky, like you said, his his squad is strong, and then his his pull is, is crazy. It's, it's over seven now, like almost into the mid-7s. Um, and then you have Taylor. Um, I assume by then he'll be back to 100%, and we all know that Taylor at 100%, he's, he's, been, he's been the one to beat for a while, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I think around that time it, it'll be an even better battle uh, between all of us than than it was this last year. Yeah. Oh, I, I think 100% it's going to be like you. This is no hype in terms of by next year, you could have one, two, three guys who could total 800, which is almost inconceivable. Like that, that, that's a big feat for the 83 kilos, let alone the 74s. Um, who's a guy that you don't think is getting enough attention in the 74s that you're like, look at man, by the time U.S. Raw Nats rolls around again, we're going to be talking about this cat 
Um, I think uh, Kevin Kevin Tran and Nico uh, Flores, both of them are, are really strong guys who most I think mostly they haven't been getting as much attention uh, because uh, I think Nico he just came back from an injury. Um, and he's like recovering. He's coming back really strong. His bench is coming up. And then uh, Kevin Tran, uh, you know, he, he's a big deadlifter too. Like he's yeah. he's. I don't know if he's pulled seven hundred in competition yet, but he's he's pulled it outside and he's he's coming up on potentially being able to pull it in a meet. So um, they're both other guys that if they put everything together, they'll they'll be. Um, some of the junior guys coming up that that'll be able to to challenge for that number one spot. It's um, I seen, I think it was uh, Tran had messaged Austin. I re, uh, Tran posted, I reposted. He was, he was something about like, look at I'm 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 entering the conversation with the seventy four kilo boys. Like you guys, you know, start you're gonna be mentioning me as well. And it's almost like at the top we have you four. We had you guys on the podcast. And then leading into it, some people like, ah, oh, you guys should have had this guy and that guy on the podcast as well. And then as the Raw Nationals unfolded, sure enough, you guys kind of stole the show. You know, and it was it was you four that were really pushing it. But by the time the next U.S. Raw Nationals rolls around, it could blossom into five guys, six guys. Like, we're going to be talking about more and more dudes. And um, it's almost, it's funny, but it's almost like you do try to enter the conversation. Like, literally... It's like I deserve some. I deserve to be mentioned with these guys. You know, when people think about the seventy fours right now, they think about certain picture, certain people. They picture your guys' faces, and you guys interact with each other when you guys tag each other in memes and shit. It's you four. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 those four dudes, and I can see where there might be some jealousy from some seventy fours on the outside looking in, being like, "Hey man, how do I get involved in one of these memes?" How do I get involved in one of these conversations? How do I get tagged when four guys get tagged and, and, you know, let's say Taylor says something, Ricky says something, and all four of you guys get tagged? Somebody's, like, Kevin Trey might be raising his hand and be like, how come I'm not tagged in there? Do you do you feel like, like, it would be weird. I can, I can see how, again, we, we haven't had this in powerlifting before, where it's become prominent when you think of 74s, you think of these dudes. And I can imagine. I can only imagine what it'd be like to be like a dude on the outside looking in, and being like, "How do I get involved in this?" You know, some dudes are to an extent. Yeah. Some guys on the outside <laughs> looking in, and they're they're capable, and they're watching the shine you guys are getting, and it makes them fucking hungrier, and it makes them tell themselves, "When I have an opportunity to go head to head with any of those four dudes that everybody's looking at and everyone's talking about, I'm gonna fucking make sure people talk about me." I'm going to make sure. Coming into Raw Nationals 2020, I got you. You guys are looking at these fellas, huh? I'm going to collect a couple scalps. I mean, even if I don't win, I'm going to bump somebody from number two, three, four on out. And then you're going to be talking about me. Like, do you think do you, you will be breeding that? Whenever you start getting big, someone else is watching and they want to take what you got. Do you feel like, do you feel that sometimes? We're, we're, or do you ever think about that? Be like, oh, man, we are creating so much hype around us. We're becoming targets. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, you you always you're always gonna have like the random like one or two guys in every weight class that are gonna show up at like nationals and and end up um, 
if not being on the podium, then being like being close, being being to the point where they could end up still in a spot like within the next year or two. So um, I think that that's always going to be the case where there's there's someone who's like on the outside looking in that's trying to get there. Um, and like we, the us four, we weren't all always here. You know, even just. Um, in the last couple of years, none of us were even remotely like where we are right now. So it's it, it's kind of been like a I guess a, a cycle to where we we were on the outside looking in, and now we're kind of um, at the point where you have the guys that that are looking us looking at us now, trying to trying to uh, earn that spot per se. It's like when I was talking about Muhammad Ali, where he came around a time in the '60s, '70s, where it was the greatest heavyweight division we'd ever seen. And if he came around, like Ali, in terms of the speaker he was and all that, um, and the charisma he had, he was funny, good-looking dude. who could He could go into a university and engage in debate. You put him on a talk show, he had the one-liners and sound bites. He's a funny dude and shit. But if you put him in a time period like the 50s, Rocky Margiano was around the 50s, and he was nobody even... If, you, if, it, if I told the general public... Tell me somebody Rocky Margiano fought. I get it. He retired undefeated. Tell me somebody he fought. Most people be like, I can't name him. You want to know why? Because it wasn't a good era. There wasn't a lot of good heavyweights. And that affects his legacy. Ali, he didn't retire undefeated. He lost to some of these guys. Usually came back and beat them. But he fought George Foreman, Joe Frazier. Like everyone knows the dudes he fought. And it's just luck. Sometimes it's luck. You happen to be at a point in time um, when these cats were around. And for Taylor, he was around at a time when people weren't hype about the 74s. I remember people, I remember there's a time in King of List where people are like, man, do you ever post anybody or talk about anybody below 83 kilo? You know what I mean? Like, you don't give the, the smaller guys enough love. And right now, this is a period in time where with you dudes, this is like a special, special era that like no other weight classes really have. And, and I get it. There's other competitive weight classes, but it's, Partly to do with the fact that you guys are playing off of each other, and it's it's also it's all timing, my man. But the fact that eight hundred is there, you got it. We needed that. Look, when the trash talking's done, the showdown happened, and the showdown's done, and you're not going to meet each other all in one place for another year. So where's the storyline? Where's the storyline after that? Fucking eight hundred's there. You know how money that is. Like the fact that. You guys are right close to 800. If, if you guys were all in the mid-7s and 800 was another year away, we have nothing to talk about until next year, until next Raw Nationals. The fact that all four of you guys and 800's there and we have a, we now have a storyline to, to work with and there's four of you dudes chasing it, like it's it's perfect, man. The setup, so now we're going to continue on for another year. And, and you know, you guys, to a large extent, need each other. What did you feel about when everybody's talking about 800, all this chatter about 800, and Ricky, surprise, surprise, comes out and says, man, everybody's talking about 800. Nobody's hitting 800. What do you, why do you think he said that? Do you think he believes that? Or do you think he's just being a, contra- a contrarian like, like he usually does, being the villain? Um, you know, I, I think he... he does believe that it's it's a lot further away um than than I think it is or than some of the other guys think it is. But again, that goes back to what I was saying. Um 
what he doesn't realize and what a lot, what a lot of other people don't realize because there's been other people that have said that it's still a little bit far off. Um, but again, people don't realize that I was already within range of it at Raw Nets. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like the numbers you saw, the performance that I put up. And then um, it, it was been the same thing about people, some people saying, I don't know, his deadlift is still a little bit far off. At Raw Nets, I was opening at um, what I hit for my third at Worlds. I was opening at 277 and a half. So if on if just say I went three for three on deads, I would have ended at 307 and a half. Um, or that's which is uh, what 677. So I mean, that's by no means a bad deadlift in the 74 kilo weight class. That's a, I mean, that. That that would have been what like the the third best or fourth best deadlift on the day, something like that. Um, which is saying a lot when you have when you had two guys that pulled seven hundred yeah. on that day. Um, so and everything has gotten even stronger since then. I mean, I'm right now. I'm at a point where I feel like pretty much any day of the week I I can pull um, within two eighty five to two ninety range. So you say that I just say that I that I open around that open around 285 to 290, you know, I might end up pulling close to 700 um, come time for the Grand Prix. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how things go. But you you do the math on everything. It, it's not this crazy idea. It's everything is, is there. We, we wouldn't be going for it if it was far pitched. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's it. I, I agree. Um in terms of, are you, you look bigger, are you bigger than you were before? I remember before, when I first had you on, you were saying you don't cut a lot. Are you growing bigger and starting to cut, like, water cuts and whatnot? Um, yeah, I, I did uh, going into Raw Nets, but now for this one, um, um, really, I've been on my nutrition a little bit more the past, like, month or so, just trying to make sure, just trying to make things as simple as possible, so now, um, Actually, the last couple of days, I've, I've been waking up at 164. Oh, shit. So, um, I mean, my weight fluctuates day to day a lot. But normally, during most of the week, I'm around like 168-ish, 167, 168. So, actually, a little bit lighter than I was for raw nets. But um, since I'm on like my nutrition and my accessories a, a little bit more, I just look a little bit better overall. I have a better like body composition. Do you think, in terms of the raw nets, was it a combination of like the water cut, obviously that um, blood taking two days out, and then passing out from that? Like there was that was some weird circumstances. For people don't know, um, you got drug tested, but didn't they? They took blood, and you did you pass? Am I remembering this right? Did you pass out from that when when they um, were taking I, blood? Yeah, I did. Um, I. I I got up to like get air because I started to feel light at it, and I passed out. I busted my chin, yeah, open, um, on the floor, and I ended up having to get stitches from that. So, I mean, that was you had you had it going around around that time that I took, you know, five trials. I I heard a lot of different things about what people thought happened, and it was funny because nobody that. Nobody was actually there, like to see what happened. It was all coming from people that weren't even 
like there. So no one actually knew what happened and people were just like speculating. Um, but it, it was so many different things. The, the trial was just one one of so many different factors to, to know what actually happened. Like, and I'm not, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. So I, I can't like tell you exactly what caused it, but it, it was, it was a lot of different things going on that week. I heard it was Ricky and your water bottle. Did you hear that one? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I, I, th- I think you're right about that. You got to watch that man. He's the, he's the villain, man. You got to watch yeah, that. I, 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 I did, I did see, see him, you know, being a little bit too friendly that day. That's, that's right. You're like, yeah, yeah, that might have hey, been. This isn't like Ricky to be his, his arm around me and all over me all of a sudden. What's going on? <laughs> um, do you think when you weigh in, is that going to be on your mind at all? Like the day of, because this will be the first time competing since then where, you know, sometimes when, when things like that happen and it's a little dramatic and it hasn't happened before, do you think it'll be on your mind or do you think daytime, when, when the day rolls around and be like, man, it's, it's past, it's behind me, it's already past? Yeah, I mean, it, it was disappointing in that moment, but I'm not going to be thinking about it anymore. I guess it's behind me now. And I know now, you know, what what to stick to as far as uh, recomping post weigh-ins and what not to do uh, differently. Like, I, I know what's worked for me in the past. So I'm just going to, like, stick with that moving forward. And, like, I, I'll be good to go. And like I said, I'm I'm lighter this time around than I was uh, for raw mass prep. So it's going to be even easier this time around. And that's the thing, too, where it's like, look, a lightning doesn't strike twice. You can almost look at these other fellas and be like, if that's what you're hoping, man, you are wishing upon a star. You know what I mean? Like, because this is, if that's what you need to beat me, is that I have another crazy situation where my body starts cramping up, whatever. Like, that's never happened before, and the likelihood of it lightning striking twice, man, good luck. You, you're going to have to face the full Michael C. You know, you got to outlift me this time. Yeah, 100%. Um, is, what other competitions do you foresee? Is there going to be one in between the Arnold and the Raw Nationals? What's your 2020 scheduling look like, do you think? Um, more than likely not, because I haven't really had a long offseason for that. Uh, like that in a while. So that'll be a good amount of time for me to take a little bit of time away from competing and focus on other things that I have going on and just um, just get ready for Raw Nets because that's outside of uh, this meet. Like, obviously, this meet is going to be my comeback meet. Um, but outside of this one, I don't really have any other goals this year outside of winning Raw Nets. Mm. It's, it's also going to be interesting. Um, if you take 800 kilo at the Arnold Classic, you can be watching with. Are you going to be watching with bated breath whenever these other 74 kilo lifters got a comp? You're like, all right, let's see, let's see who's. Because correct me if if I'm wrong. Is this um, sanctioned by the NAPF, which is the North American Powerlifting Federation, which makes it eligible for a world record? I, I think it is, right? It is, yeah. So this would be a world. There's a world record too in the history books. Not only will you be first, but there's also opportunity to be the world record holder and enter yourself as the number one position. And should Taylor, even if he wins the SPD Invitational, but he has a lower total than you, you will be ranked higher officially by the IPF, which 
puts all of us in a bit of a funny situation. We're almost gone full circle to a John Jones situation where it's like, all right, you're the champ, but we have another claimant who can raise his hand and be like, well, excuse me, pardon me, but when the rankings are posted, I'm number one, you're number two. That's a little awkward. You know, and it becomes, well, it looks like we have a dispute. Looks like we have a dispute and we're going to have to settle it at Raw Nationals. So it's 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 a pretty good setup and for sure... I mean, when you do what you do at the Arnold Classic, how much are you going to be watching what these other fellas do leading into Raw Nationals? Um, I'll, I'll be watching them because um, I, I, I mean, I always watch anyway, like when, when the other guys compete and I'm not competing. So um, this won't be any different. I'll be watching all of them to see like what they all end up putting up. Um. It'll, it'll be exciting to see like what what they all do, especially. I mean, the dudes that I'm kind of intrigued with. I think Austin's a beast. I'm intrigued if Ricky can put it all together and his squat shows up in the 600s. Um, Tran, if he has a day that he's capable of, Raw Nats wasn't a great day, and I think he's better than that. And what he's full on capable of, we could be shocked. Um, and there's also something to be said for the strategy you're using where, look, you're going to lift at Raw Nats, and then you're going to take the rest of the year. People really won't know what to expect when Raw Nationals comes around. If if Ricky, Austin, Trent, Taylor lift again closer to Raw Nats, like, for instance, at the World Championships, if Taylor goes to Worlds, a couple months later, whatever you do at Worlds, you're only going to do a small percentage more a couple months later. We kind of know what to expect. Whereas guys like you, guys like Ricky, guys like Austin, like you guys are all young. Your rate of progress is going to be probably greater. And then if you stop after Arnold's and you go silent and you haven't lifted, but you see some training here and there, it puts a bit of a question mark on it. It makes a little more anxiety when we're talking about Michael C. Because you don't know what, what you could possibly unveil in terms of at the Raw Nationals, the package you're going to give these fellas. The closer they are to Raw Nationals when they compete, the closer the numbers are. And they can talk whatever they want, but it's like, man, you are only going to be a certain percentage more than what you just did two months ago. We kind of know what you've got. Unless unless you somewhat sandbagged it because you didn't you didn't have to go all out to win or whatever the case is, but it's kind of hard to, to bluff the numbers when we see it in, in the competition. You know, so there is a bit of strategy involved there where you'd be like, look, I'm, I'm comfortable. Be the first to cross the 800 barrier. Be number one in the rankings. Now everybody's chasing me, which is a little different. All of a sudden, Michael C., the number one man in the IPF. And, um, and it's important that it's an international competition because people would say, well, he's, I mean, that's just on the national level. Now this is international. This is world record talking. And now they're chasing you, and you could be silent until Raw Nationals be like, your guess is good as mine. We'll see. I hit 800 back in Raw and Arnold. What, what do you think might be possibilities for Raw? Are you, is that too far ahead? You just want to hit 800. You don't want to even look at 820, 8 whatever. You'll just cross one bridge and get to the next one when you get there. Yeah, that's right now my focus is just the Grand Prix. Um, hitting the 800 plus, um, you know, if, if everything comes together, it, it it might be beyond 800, but we'll we'll see. Do you we'll see what happens. You know what you got to do? Hit 800 the very next day. Do like some kind of training video. Hashtag road to 900. 
900 coming at Raw next. Raw, Raw, the 900. Just, just to troll people. Get, get you some. I'll see you guys on Raw next. Who's joining me? Or, or at the very least, you could say hashtag Who's joining me? You know, <laughs> welcome to the club. Who wants to join the club? I'll welcome you in. But, but make no mistake. I'm the first, and I'm the only one in this club. It, it, it is like it's a unique situation where you would be able to throw your hands up and be like, look at as far as I could tell, I'm the only man in this club right now. I got access into this. Hello, Russell Orhe. Hello, Brett Gibbs. <laughs> but that's yeah. the, you know what I mean? It'd be weird yeah. where it's like, when I look at my peers in this 800 club, all I see are 83s. I see 93s. I don't see a fucking damn 74. I'm the only man in here. Who else is going to join me in this club? <laughs> I mean, if you put it this way, if you were Ricky Cho, Ricky would milk the shit out of that. <laughs> right? In terms oh, yeah. Of, yeah, I know he would. <laughs> he would be coming all the things I'm talking about with hashtags. He'd be all over. What? Look, at, let's let's talk about multiverse here. This is this is like if Thanos takes over the world. If What the fuck would happen if Ricky won Raw Nationals? Oh, oh my God. Oh, man. What happens? What happened? Does Taylor Atwood kill himself the next day? <laughs> what happened? I, I, I would think that um, if he were to end up dead, it, it would probably be um, we'd probably have to be looking at Ricky on that more than Taylor. Um, I, I, I think the the whole, the entire USAPL would be like flipped on its head and like overthrown. So, like something crazy would happen. <laughs> Doug, can you imagine Ricky Cho as champ? Would he be the, the trash you'd be talking? And if he beat everybody in one and he like had the biggest like it would be it would be absolutely nuts on me. Every his social media would absolutely explode. Do you think put it this way? If he wins, and I know this is tough because you want to win it, whatever. If you're impartial, let's say you take yourself out of it. Do you think if he wins a guy like or guy like Ricky will just say it would be bigger for the for the USAPL and powerlifting, and it would gain more, and it would be like a Conor McGregor almost. Like we're like it's it's like oh my god, we're gonna start attracting a lot of people, and it'd be good. Or do you think it wouldn't be like? What do you think happens in terms of that popularity wise? Um, so I, I think it, it would be uh, big regardless. Um, just in, anyone other than Taylor winning would, would be huge for the sport. This um, is true. But in, in, in this, the case, it would definitely be. Um, I think it would definitely be big if Ricky won, uh, just because. I mean, we we know him now to be like the villain, that the guy that's normally the one um, talking the trash and everything. So it, if he were to win, then that would be you know kind of him walking the walk. Not just talking to talk. It would, dude. People would be. There would be some people who are so upset. There, when you become a dude like that, um, you got people who who love you and back you, and you got people who love to hate you and can't wait for you to eat your humble pie, and can't wait for you to lose. <laughs> and, and and let me say something else. I've had. Pe- I'm not going to say names, but I've had people you know, people everybody knows, message me and be like. I hope fucking Michael C. silences these cats. I hope Michael C. I even heard the dude, because they like, like, they like, a guy like Ricky and guys like Taylor, like, 
if you like one guy, you might hate the other guy. You like, you hate the other guy, you might like this other dude by de facto because he's he's not the same. He's opposite, and it's never more prevalent the the how more opposite certain people carry themselves, right? And you guys, it's authentic. You're just being you. So I had a dude message me and be like, "Man, I'm rooting for Silent Mike." And that's when it. That's the nickname he gave you. He's like, he's like, I like. I, he goes, I like the strong Silent. I'm rooting for Silent Mike, but I like how my man carries himself. I hope he take. I hope you know he wins. But and that's if that's if you don't you a dude like Ricky will push people towards you. But they, but here's the thing: he's making people choose a side, which is kind of like what you said, where um. It, it's, it's, it benefits everybody. You don't even got to do anything extra or different than you're doing. He'll draw attention and push people, draw people in and push them on your side. And you're like, I didn't even fucking make people pick a team. They're just jumping on the bandwagon so this guy lose. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, it has to be authentic once again. It can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come on here, you know, trying, trying to be the bad guy and, <laughs> you know, I'm going to take over. But, that's that's not it, me. Yeah. So I'm I'm just I'm me. So I'm I'm you know I'm the more uh, reserved and like you said, some some people like that, some people hate that. Um, some people are more drawn towards um, like Ricky's personality. Yeah. And some people hate his personality. They're more drawn towards me, or they're more drawn towards Taylor, or whatever. Um, yeah. or but you do have like yeah, or Austin, or any of the other guys. So. So you do have like different camps, different people. Um, you you pick your, I guess you pick your poison. Yeah, it's cool. You know what I like about Austin too is like he doesn't talk a lot of shit, but on the flip side, he's got some he's got some pep in the step. My man's got some charisma. You know, like he, mm. he he's when he hits the when he's on the platform and when he carries himself in training and whatnot. And um, and man, I know Taylor's not gonna like this, but I think he had the best fucking hair. No, it was you. Was it you? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was you. It was, that was you. No, you can't take that it was you. No, that was you. Look, look at, look at. You, if you took the best hair, you cross the eight hundred barrier, and you become ranked number one by the IPF. Oh shit, that's it, man. <laughs> Taylor's low key gonna be like, Taylor's not a fan of Ricky, but he's gonna be like, hey, Michael's quietly collecting all my assets. It all started with the best hair. I had to it all that one up started. That's when, that's when I remember when we said in the recap show, I was like, hey, I think I think C might have had better hair than you. He was like, no, I, I'm not trying to hear that. He didn't want to hear it. He was upset. He was like, no, I don't. I was like, you're not budging. Because I ran a poll. This is fucking. Like, I ran a poll who had better hair. I had a lot of people. I think it was Russell Lohr. He hit me up. He's like, do you realize how hard it is for Michael C to get that? He didn't just wake up and part his hair. My man put in work like that. You guys, yeah, you know it, it, it took some time. It takes some time. And Tim's like, no, I'm not budget. No, you can't have that. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I think, I think, I think you might've had it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think honestly, no matter, I think you're 100% right. I think no matter what happens, if, if Taylor loses due to this, you know, he's not only the king of 74s, he's the king of powerlifting right now. He's number one pole position in all of powerlifting. It will be absolutely massive when you won. Let's, let's just say he wins the Worlds because I think projected, he doesn't have to deal with any of you fellas, and you guys are the biggest threats. Kajel's, I don't think, going to be there. Um, so let's just say, with all due respect, let's just assume he wins Worlds as well. That's back to that's a three peat. 
Anybody who won the the, the man who unseats Taylor, how many times has he won at the Raw Nationals? Five, six. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know Talk about dominant. He's he's one. He's a dynasty in the seventy fours at this point, internationally and nationally. If he can pull this off, going in there, I think you're absolutely right that whoever unseats him, and then if he is still the powerlifting, if he wins best lifter at Worlds, etc. Again, he's the king of powerlifting, and you unseat him like that. It's going to be huge. The only thing is, the the biggest hype job would be if Michael C hits 800 first, is ranked number one, and if he wins worlds but he doesn't beat your total and all that kind of shit breaks out, and it becomes, it's that awkward conversation that we have to settle it at Raw Nets. It's that awkward conversation where it's like, I got you, man. You're good. You, you win this, you won that. But you're still not number one, and now we got to settle it. You know, let's, we'll see what happens. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but you can see the story writing itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. Like, I'm looking forward to like re- rematching with him and rematching with everyone else. Um, my my thing was just I, I had to get in a, another meet, um, yeah. like to to redeem myself because you know, like with everything happening the way that it did, I, I couldn't wait a, a whole year um, for yeah. that because I, I know what I'm I know what I'm capable of, and so this is gonna be like to showcase that pretty much. People are gonna people. I think people are gonna be talking. Um, well, people are already talking. People already have opinions on whether eight hundred is gonna fall in Arnold. And I think a lot of people know. Well, like you crunch the numbers. The numbers don't lie. You crunch the squat. You crunch the bench. You can see where the deadlift is more than reasonable for you to hit to make it eight hundred. You know, if we're being honest. And then people see the the in the gym training. If your body weight is already down that low and you're that close to the weight class, the only reason why the gym numbers can be um, taken with caution is well if he's really big and he's got to do a big water cut we can expect maybe to be the numbers to dip if your body weight is at where you're saying it's at the numbers aren't going to budge that's nothing like I want to cut that small it's absolutely nothing five pounds is nothing six pounds is nothing you know so I'm, I'm interested I'm definitely interested who else um, are you interested in seeing at the Arnold Classic while you're there you're going to stick around and watch um, yeah, I'll be there all weekend. So, um, I think they, they moved the raw challenge to that Saturday as well. So I, I, I wanted to watch live, but I probably won't be there live, but I might catch the stream or something, but there's, there's a, a lot of like friends uh, competing and things like that. The, the women's side of the Grand Prix is actually going to be really interesting. Uh, I think it's going to be like Sam Calhoun, Mar- Marissa, Enda, uh, Jen Milliken, and uh, someone else, um, trying to think. Um, it, it, it's going to be really interesting on yeah. both sides. Yeah. Now, and, and I'm also interested in what Ashton Ruska puts up. He's another dude yeah. that, I mean, he's another dude that, and I don't know what's going to happen. I know he's an alternate. I don't know if, if he's going to enter, you know, the, the battlefield, so to speak, in Belarus at Worlds. If he ends up in Belarus at Worlds in the 105s, and we have all those 105s in there. My God, man. I mean, that's seriously, that's like, Ashton is a, is one of those dudes that we haven't fully seen his potential. And when we see his 100, and, he, and he's on all point, like he was a little light for U.S. Raw Nass. He could have been heavier, you know, and, and I mean, he's got plenty of room under the 105 kilo class. If we see him at 100%, 
I mean, it could be Jesse Norris style IPF points and, you know, he's capable. I want to see him do something like that. And again, it's world records can be broken at, at the Arnold Classic. So he could set a benchmark. Yeah. He could set a benchmark like where it's ranked. It's, it's a world record. It's ranked by the IPF. And it could be IPF point falling, you know, benchmark breaking. Like it's, I want to see what Ashton does. And I think we might be able to, man, because his training looks on point. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited too, and I'm I'm glad that um, he 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 was one of the guys that that I was like 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 when I found out that he was doing the Grand Prix too, I um, I got excited about it because it's gonna be like um like I um, I talk to him sometimes and um, I talk to uh, I talk to him and, and his friend Christian sometimes and and knowing that they'll be there and we'll all like be in the in a warm up room. And like just seeing what he's able, what he's capable um, of putting up on that day is going to be interesting. And yep. then I think he he may he may be doing uh, ninety three uh, for this one just because he can. Uh, really? I, I don't know if he is for sure or not, but I but I think he he could do it if he wanted to. So it'll be interesting to see if he does that or not. So he's kept his body weight lower. Um, yeah, but, and dude, if he hits ninety three and it puts up like a world record total. That world record is going to be absolutely bonkers in 93. Like, that is going to be absolutely yeah. bonkers in 93. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. It would be, like, in the 900s. It would be so far ahead. Everyone else in the 93s would be like, oh, good, man. You just set a benchmark. You know how hard it'd be to break that benchmark? You know? Yeah, and then, so, and then, so, we'll see. So, I mean, whether he does 93 or 105, either way, like, he's... The way his training has been looking, he, he's going to total something ridiculous. <laughs> and um, I seen uh, that one video. Was it you, Christian, and Ashton when you when you replied to Ricky? That was one of the times you replied to Ricky. And you guys had that video. And that was pretty good, but I think I reposted that as well. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. Yeah, like, Christian, is, Christian is funny, man. <laughs> it's, he's, it's, he's something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was, uh, I think he was handling, does he handle Ashton? He does, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if he does programming as well, but yeah, he's in that crew. So you guys, you are you guys like local to each other? Um, no. Uh, Ashton used to um, be. He used to live in San Antonio. Um, he doesn't anymore. Christian does. So we're not local to each other, but um, they pop up at a lot of the meets around the area. So we see each other. Um, I would say like every few months or so, and then obviously um, when you have like the Arnold and Ron S and stuff like that. Yeah. So and then we communicate like through Instagram. So it's it's funny how like in powerlifting, um, in the seventy fours, you even have like like clicks. You know, like you got teams that like you you know you you Ashton Christian and like when you reply together in the video, and then Ricky was like, oh okay, all right, yeah, all right, you guys like it's. <laughs> It's kind of funny how it works like that. You start identifying, you know, certain teams. Like, oh, this guy's on Team C. Okay, I got gotcha. you. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's it's kind of funny how it works out. It makes it more interesting, anyways, because certain other people join in as well and start like like backing certain people. And um, it's all part. This is all this is all brand new, man. I haven't seen this kind of thing happen before. It's I'm interested. 2020 is going to be a very interesting year. 
It's good to say the least. Very for sure. Um, listen, we had you on for 90 minutes now, man. Greatly appreciate your time. Obviously, good luck in training. You know, keep doing what you're doing. It's going to be your, probably your performances, not to keep too much pressure on you, but probably the most heavily high performance everybody's going to be watching in the Arnold Classic is going to be Michael C. Um, you have a position to make powerlifting history across 800 kilo. You have you were in the position to possibly become number one ranked 74 kilo lifter in the world by the IPF, and then from there you sit back, you're in pole position, and let's see who else joins the club. Yes, sir. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, like I said, it, it'll it'll be kind of redemption for me. And um, a redemption not, story. Not, and a redemption yeah. story. Comeback story. Redemption story. It's got it all, my friend. It's got it all. You yeah. just got to keep doing what you're doing. Listen, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I mean, good luck in training. We're going to keep in touch. And, man, I would love to have you on after that Arnold Classic. And then we'll talk. We'll talk about w what's going on around the 74s and the reaction to your performance and talk about your performance and walk it through. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch and we can we can set that up for sure um, after, after this meet is, is said and done. Okay, my friend, we'll keep in touch. Have a good one. All right, you too. Thank you, sir. All right. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, it's going to uh, If he hits 800, it really does force some people's hands, doesn't it? It's IPF officiated, so this is an official world record. It's international judging. The rankings, it's not just national rankings. He'll be ranked by the IPF. And he will be ranked number one. Taylor Atwood is the champion of the world. And he could end up being the SBD Invitational champion. The champion of champions. But not ranked number one. Possibly. Maybe he bests whatever Michael C. does at the Arnold Classic. But maybe he doesn't. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. And it can only be decided in head-to-head -head competition. See how it plays out. Till next time, sit back, laugh.